But we've been talking, uh, we've been going through kind of a series, if that's what you want to call it. Uh, again, if you recall some of the premise of the series, and I'll get everybody caught up so we're all kind of on the same page, that I believe that God has given us an incredible tool, every one of us, an incredible tool that I don't think we utilize to the fullest. I don't think as families we utilize it, I don't think as friends we utilize it, as a church, I mean, we have our meal today, so you can say we use it at least once a month, right? Uh, the reality is Jesus' ministry seemed to be centered around food. Jesus liked the table. He liked to sit at the table. And a lot of times while he was at the table, remarkable things happened. While he was sharing meals and while he was participating in life with people, God did incredible things. And so, where we've come to this point, the first week we just wanted to recognize that we have a pretty powerful tool at our disposal. We have something with incredible power in our lives that I hope we can start to recognize how effective, we can start to dream about how truly powerful it can be if we utilize it. And then last week, remember we talked about the mess. I had a table up here with all the stuff all over it, papers and envelopes and things and how... If I recognize how important my table is, I've got to take time to make my table so I can use it. I've got to declutter it. I've got to get it ready. You know, I mean, no one wants to come sit at a table with a bunch of bills and a bunch of newspapers and a bunch of toys and a bunch of dishes and a bunch of laundry, whatever you might put on your table. So if we recognize that our table is important, and now we've gone through the process of of, of preparing our table so that we can use it, what's next? Like, what's next? What do we do now? Now I've got a pretty table. It's all cleaned off. The clutter is gone. What's next? Because I promise if you don't do something, it'll get cluttered again. I promise if you don't do something now, suddenly the recognition of the importance of that will diminish because it will stay where it is. So today is a day of action. Today is a day where I'm going to talk about some action that we can do because if I've got a table and I realize how important it is, you know, I've got an interesting fact for you. Most tables have more than one chair. Right? Most tables have more than one chair, and so probably we, we need to be, be utilizing the table that we have. And so in order to utilize that table, we've got to start inviting. Joellen will tell you invitation means commitment. You know, there's something about, um, uh, you're really putting yourself out there at this step. You know, I can recognize my table's important and I can clean it up 16 times. But until I invite someone, it doesn't really matter because I'm not really accountable to anybody but myself. And now that I'm going to step out and invite, guess what? There's something else that's, that's going to cause me to be committed. I'm locked in. Pam's coming for dinner. There's no way out. Whether I'm ready or not, it's being used. Today I want to talk about the power 
of inviting. I read a, a survey that they did with church people. This was a church leadership website. They did a survey with people in churches, just like you guys. And they went around and they said, they asked everybody, what initially brought you to church? And here's the responses people gave. Six to eight percent of people walked in on their own. Two to three, they liked the program that was offered. Eight to ten percent, this will make me feel good, they liked the pastor. Three to four percent had a need met by the church. This is frightening. One to two percent were evangelized. Three to four percent were attracted by Sunday school. And it says 70 to 85% of people who came to church were invited by a friend or relative. Let me tell you the programs. Let me tell you the pastor. Let me tell you the things that we do. If we're not inviting, we're missing the potential of our table. Billy Graham Association issued a statistic that says the average Christian can identify seven unchurched people that, have, that they have a relationship with. And the National Survey says that 82%, it kind of goes along with what we just read, of non-church said they would come to church with a friend or relative if they were invited. It's simply the invitation. I mean, in your house. At your table. People would love to come sit at your table if we just asked. You know, and I wonder why we don't ask. I wonder why we're not willing to, to step out. I wonder why we're, we're so afraid after we declutter to, to take this step of faith. And, and the reality is, I think we invite things or we, we introduce things. We invite things to people we value. So, for instance, today is carry-in. So what I did today was I went ahead and made up a batch of Cincinnati chili. Now, why, Pastor, did you make up Cincinnati chili? Because I love Cincinnati chili. Many of you have tasted it now, but I'm going to keep inviting. So what I have is a big pot of chili. My wife is going to make some spaghetti. And what they serve in chili parlors in Cincinnati is Cincinnati chili. They have spaghetti, and they have Cincinnati chili on top, and then they put cheese, and I cut up some onions. You can put some onions on it. It's either a three-way without the onions or a four-way with the onions. What is Cincinnati chili? It's hamburger, it's spices like cumin and cinnamon and unsweetened chocolate. There aren't any beans in it. There aren't big hunks of meat in it. It's absolutely delicious. When I go home, I eat Cincinnati chili. We'll buy a Crave case. Do you want to know what a Crave case is? No, it's not a crave case. What do they call it? Oh, no, that's a White Castle. They, they, that'll get you there, too. But the, they, they sell these, these containers that you can fit 12 conies in. You know what a cony is? It's a hot dog. Put mustard on it. It's in a bun. You got your chili on top, your onions on top, and your cheese, and it's absolutely delicious. And like White Castles, you can eat a lot of them. Why do I talk about Cincinnati chili? Because I like it. Because I value it. 
And because I like it, because I value it, I want you to share the enjoyment that comes through the experience of Cincinnati chili. I want you to see why there's chili parlors on every corner just about because it's such a delicious meal that you're missing out on. Chili with cinnamon and chocolate? What are you talking about? Taste and see. I encourage you today, maybe take a little bowl, try my chili. You know, we invite, we offer what we value. Last week in Sunday school, I think it was last week or two weeks ago, Kathy was talking about her hands being sore from her lawnmower. And Walt was in the room, and what did Walt know? He said, I have a lawnmower that will work for you, Kathy. Because she said she's got the old steering wheel lawnmower, and when she's holding it, it just it makes her hands hurt. And so Walt said, well, I've got a zero-turn mower. You should try it sometime. And he started talking about it. And then what did he do? Because he valued it, he went as far as to offer it to Kathy. He drove it out to her house and left it there one day. So she would try it. Why? Because when we've got something that's good, we want others to experience it. What happens at your table should be good. I look at my wife because sometimes our table I wouldn't want anybody else to experience. What happens at your table should be good, so why not ask someone else to enjoy it? This morning I want to look at just the reality of we've got a table Now we invite. I'm going to pray, God, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for what you've already accomplished in this place. I thank you that, God, we can experience your presence and your power. That we can commune with you on a Sunday morning in Crawford, Nebraska. I thank you that we can experience the fullness of your love. God, I pray that as we look at your word, you compel us, God. That we're compelled by the love of Christ. We're compelled by the word of God. God, I ask for our hearts, I ask for our ears, I ask for our lives to be in line with You. That Your anointing would be in this place, upon me as the pastor, upon my words, God, upon everyone that's listening in this room, that we would have ears to hear. God, that my words, my mind would be Yours, and Your will would be accomplished in this place. In Jesus' name, Amen. You see, we're called to be Christ-like, correct? I mean, Scripture says that as believers, we're called to be like Christ. And Jesus truly was the great inviter. I mean, when you look at the beginning of, uh, of the Gospels, what is Jesus doing? Matthew uh, chapter 4. See, it's in my notes, Irene. It just wasn't correct in the bulletin. Matthew chapter 4, verses 18 through 19. Now Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee. He saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me. That's an invitation. He saw and he invited, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Luke chapter 5, after this Jesus went out and he saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his booth. His tax booth, follow me, he said to him. Jesus was a great inviter. John chapter 1, the next day Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, 
follow me. How hard were those words? Jesus saw, he saw, and he found. I mean, there was something intentional in what he was doing. If he found Philip, that means he was looking for him, right? That means he sought out Philip. He recognized that Philip was one of the ones. He wanted to be his disciples. And so he went and found him and he offered an invitation. Sometimes we're just not good at the invitation. Sometimes we just don't do well with the inviting. We're, we're awkward. We're uncomfortable. We're afraid. Jesus... He's the great inviter. Not only does he say, come follow me, but he says, I'll make you fishers of men. I mean, he's not just offering invitation, but he's telling them what's coming. He's like saying, hey, come follow me. I got some chocolate cake. Here's what you're getting yourself into. Come follow me. We're going to make some steaks on the grill tonight. Come follow me, I'm going to make you fishers of men. Is the reality that, that Jesus says to these men. And I find this interesting. Because really, fishermen, all we're doing is constantly inviting. Isn't that the practice of fishing? What's the point when you throw a fishing lure or a worm into, a wa- into water? For most people, now I've seen some old guys that throw blank hooks out there just because they want to take a nap. Now, I I get that. Roy. (laughs) I've never seen Roy do that, but I could see Roy doing that. Because most people, most fishermen, when they go out, they want to catch fish, right? Isn't that the reality of what a fisherman is doing? They're inviting that fish. Every time to take a bite? Hey, you want some dinner? Got a worm. Hey, you want something to eat? Here's a pretty minnow. Here's a flashy spinner thing that you just want to smack with your face. I mean, that's the whole point of fishing is invitation. I find it compelling that Jesus, when he calls his disciples, he says, I'm going to make you fishermen. I'm going to make you fishers of men. You're going to continue the invitation. I said, follow me, but now guess what? You get to fish. But there's a reality in fishing. The fish can say no. You ever been there? Some of us, they say no more than others. The reality is they call it fishing, not catching, right? My kids, we went the other day in all the bluegills. They were, they were, uh, all the bluegill, they were up on the shore because they were, they were spawning, they were on their nests. And man, they could put uh, an empty hook. I mean, we had a piece of worm that wasn't much on the nest. And those bluegill would bite it every time. So my kids just feel like fishing is catching. I mean, that's all they got to do is put a hook out. A fish jumps on it. Dad takes it off, put it back in the water. We go through this process again. It's fun. We don't have to wait. We don't have to take time. I mean, it just goes boom, boom, boom. 
Dad can't even fish because I'm too busy taking off bluegill off the hook. You know what I'm talking about? And then we went again, and guess what didn't happen? It wasn't as fun this time, Dad. But, but Dad, I threw the bobber out there, and it's not going under yet. I watched the fish swim by. It didn't bite it, Dad. This isn't right. The reality is we might hear no. You know what I didn't do when I went fishing? I didn't stop after the fish said no. I cast again. I throw out another invitation. Why? Because that's what I'm there to do. I want to talk about the no, because I think the fear of no is one of the biggest reasons we don't invite. You know, I'm convinced more and more, uh, as a parent, I see it with my four-year-old, but, but the reality is, as a pastor, I see it in the church, we don't like hearing no. I don't care where you are, I don't care how old you are, because I've seen people who were 10, 20 times the age of my four-year-old throw the same tantrum when you tell them no that my four-year-old throws when you tell him no. Do you know what I'm talking about? For some reason, we've, we've become afraid to hear no. No is absolutely okay. I want to I read a story about no's. Matthew... Uh, chapter 22. This is another parable of Jesus. Now I'm going to tell you about some no's right here. Jesus spoke to them again in parables, saying the kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. What is that? He's having supper, right? It's a wedding banquet, so he's making steak and potatoes. He's making prime rib or whatever else you want to say. His very best, apple pie and ice cream, whatever you want. Flambe, is that was something? I don't know, whatever it is. He's put his very best out there. And so, what has he done? He sent his servants to those who had been invited to the banquet. He sent out invitations. What response did he get? Nope. 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 But they refused to come. He sent some more servants and he said, Tell those who have been invited that, that I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and fattened cattle have been butchered and everything is ready. I mean, this is going to be a great feast. Nope. They paid no attention. They went off, one to his field, another to his business. Now, the result of their no, we're not going there with no's right now. How much did they say? No, the rest seized the servants. They mistreated them. They killed them. The king was enraged. He sent his armies, destroyed those murderers, and burned their city. Then he said to his servants, The wedding banquet is ready, but I, to those I invited did not deserve to come. So go to the street corners and invite into the banquet anyone you can find. So the servants went out to the streets and gathered all the people they could find, the bad as well as good, and the wedding hall was filled with guests. You know, I, I realize that no in this parable resulted in like murder and war and stuff. That's not really what I'm hoping as a pastor happens with no. The reality that I want to focus upon is he didn't stop with the no's. But he went on. 
He invited more. He invited others. The invitation didn't stop because someone said no. I'm just going to pass a few of these out. We're going to be interactive this morning. So you can read it. Make sure you can, you can understand, understand the words. Understand the words. Oh yeah, that's a good one for you, Mike. Here we go, right here. Alright, now, we're just going to do a lesson right here. We're just going to play a game. So Trevor, I would like you to stand up and read me what your card says. Uh, no. Thank you. Go ahead. Uh, no thanks. Go ahead. I can't look at Rowena in the eye because it's hard. Would you like to come over for dinner next Sunday? Uh, no thanks. No. We have extra chocolate turtle cake. Uh, you're welcome to come and have a piece. No, thanks. Oh! Oh, see, oh, no. Why, Pastor? Why? It doesn't hurt me for you to say no. Sometimes we look at a no as a rejection. We look at no as someone doesn't like us. We look at no as someone doesn't want to be there. I'll be very candid. Uh, Be transparent. Mike and Cheryl on the 4th of July invited us over to their house. And we didn't get to make it. Because we had picnics and we had parades. And it wasn't because we don't love Mike and Cheryl. We stopped by there and have campfires with them. But sometimes we have to say no. Like my kids needed to take a nap. And they were completely okay, I think. If it's an offense, I just made it way bigger. We might have the murder and war thing. I don't know. But the reality is, I want us to be okay hearing no. No doesn't stop us from asking because I might decide a little bit later today that I should have never said no to Mike about that chocolate turtle cake. So Mike, I'm coming over later for some chocolate turtle cake. Everybody heard it. You better get to cooking. I got a witnesses. <laughs> you know, your table is important enough beyond the rejection. Your table is valuable enough beyond the no. You know, you might have not tried Cincinnati chili the last time I made it. Not my problem, it's yours. More for me to eat later. You might not try it this time. I might walk by the table and I might see that you don't have a bowl of spaghetti and chili in front of you. That's okay. I'll still offer you more. I'll offer it again. Because I value it. There's something incredible that takes place at our tables. There's something remarkable that takes place when we share our lives together. And it's important enough to me that I'm going to keep offering. Who knows what comes? Maybe through that invitation there's a yes 
and I find a lifelong friend that I never knew I had. Maybe there's an eternal impact that comes through me simply asking someone else. Maybe I cast one more time and catch that master angler that I can fight with my wife about putting on the wall. This is not in my notes, and we can have a theological debate later. I told my wife this week as we were talking about Jesus and his invitation. You know, we see all the yeses. But was there a Steve he walked up to? I mean, we see he goes to Philip, and we see he goes to Nathaniel and Peter and all these guys, Levi, and he says, come follow me. I mean, was there a Steve that, I mean, this is hypothetical. This is straight up, don't tell anybody Jesus asked people to follow him, and he didn't. But I said, I wonder if. I mean, I wonder if. It didn't stop him, even if. Why does it stop us? Because there truly is value in an invitation, even if someone says no. You know what? Even if someone says no, the reality that you sought me out and said, hey, I want to share some chocolate cake with you, well, thank you. You thought about me? You want me to come over? There's value that comes through an invitation. Sometimes we quantify things by what is right before us. But we have no clue what value just the invitation that maybe brought a no brought to their life. This morning, let me tell you about value in an invitation. Every time we do communion, where pastor's heart goes, the reality is Jesus was with his disciples when, when this took place, but he's encouraged us to continue to do this. The thought that God Almighty the thought that the one who spoke all into existence, the thought that, that God who sent His Son Jesus, the thought that, that, that the one who is, who was, and always will be has, has invited me to His table. It resonates with my heart. Every time we take communion, I think about the reality that God has, has welcomed me to His table. Psalm chapter 23, The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right path for His name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you're with me. Your rod, your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. God has invited you to His table. Talk about a powerful invitation. We call this communion. What does that mean? He wants to have fellowship with 
you. That's why he said, do this in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat of this bread and drink of this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. If he's saying whenever, the expectation is this is happening more than once, right? God wants to experience you. He wants to have have fellowship with you. He wants to commune with you. And let me tell you, there's value in that invitation for my life. It may seem simplistic. Like this may all seem way too simple, Pastor. This is supposed to be real deep theology. table, clean it off, invite someone. Pastor, you could have done this all in one week. We could be eating now, having fellowship, doing what you said. I'll give you a clue. I'm not just talking about your dinner table. I'm not just talking about that physical table in your house. I'm talking about your lives. We'll, we'll come back to that later on in the series. Start inviting. Start inviting. You've got something very valuable to share. Your table... You have something incredible to offer. They may not be fatted oxen and cattle, but boy, you've got something important to offer. So, so we've got to start inviting. If we don't put into action, remember last week I said intentions without being intentional aren't very valuable if we don't start putting into action, if we don't start casting, if we don't start fishing, we're never going to experience all that God has. You know, this morning, you can play something. I don't care what you put on there. That's her invitation. See that? Dear, please play some music for me. I love you. You know, I've talked about Cincinnati Chili. And I talked about Walt and his lawnmower. We've talked about fatted cat, cattle and oxen. But let me tell you, I can't stop this morning without giving you an invitation to experience the love of Jesus Christ. You know, I don't know where everybody's at. Like I said, this week has been hectic. This week has been crazy. But I want to take a moment because I know what the love of Christ does. I've experienced His love. I've experienced the power that comes through the blood of Jesus Christ. I know what it feels like to be, to be in a spot. In a place where, where I can't get out. In a place where I feel boxed in because of my choices, because of the traditions, because of the things in life, 
I know what it felt like to be in that place. And someone invited me to experience Jesus Christ. Someone told me that there was a God who loves me. Someone was willing to say that there's a God who loves me in spite of my choices. In spite of of the decisions, in spite of the circumstance, God loved me so much that He sent His Son, Jesus Christ. Why? To die. Why? So I could be with Him. So I could come to His table. I experienced His love and it changed me. I experienced His love and it set me free. I experienced His love and no longer was I, was I worried about condemnation or, or, or these things, but I was free because of who He made me. The guilt, the way to sin, it was lifted. It's incredible. And I want everyone to experience that love. If you've not experienced that love, I invite you this day to experience that love. You say, Pastor, how? The word's simple. It says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, you believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you'll be saved. When we confess with our mouth the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Yeah, we've all sinned. Scripture's clear about that. We've all made choices that have separated us from His love. But God loves us so much, He wants us to be in His love. And Jesus Christ said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And I invite you to experience that love. Maybe you say, I've experienced it, but boy, I haven't experienced it in a while. This morning, I encourage you to experience His love. I invite you to ask God to love you. I invite you to ask God to hug you. I invite you to ask God to to just let His love be poured out in your life so you can experience His love. Why? Because I know it's good. Why? Because, Because I value it. Why? Because it's something absolutely incredible that everyone needs. Father, this morning, all across this room, pray for us. This morning, God, your desire, knowing your will, is that we would all experience your love. Knowing your heart, God, I know that you desire for each one in this room to experience your embrace. And so, God, I offer that invitation to each one. As your servant, God, a servant of the Master, God, I pray for each one that they would receive your love. They would come to the place that you set. They would confess you as Lord. Acknowledge the defeat of death in their lives because of what you've accomplished. 
God, for, for the rest of us, God, in this room, I pray that we would start inviting. We would see the value of the invitation. We wouldn't be afraid of no or rejection, but God, it'd be okay. That the intentionality of an invitation, God, we would see eternity impacted around our tables every day in Jesus' name. I'm going to have Pam lead us in a chorus and I just encourage you this morning if if you need to respond I'll be here to pray with you. If you say, Pastor, uh, I don't know what you're talking about but boy, that invitation sounded like it was for me. I'd sure love to be able to pray with you. If you say, Pastor, I just want to experience God's love. I just... I just haven't for a while. I want to be able to pray with you. Yeah, you know, I was telling my wife as I was preparing for this sermon, the power of an invitation. When I was a junior in high school, a girl asked me to come to church with her on a Sunday night. That invitation not only impacted me, but I believe it's impacted us. We never know how far one invitation goes. That girl is not my wife. But it's affected us. Because I met my wife. Because I was in that church. Who knows what happens when we invite. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you be gracious to you. May he turn his face towards you and grant you his peace. And may you invite. May you open your table to someone and show them the love of God. Amen.